to the Defend Your Ground podcast. This is a podcast we're starting here at Blue Ribbon Coalition. And we've decided a lot of these issues we work on, they just require some explanation as to what's going on. And we know this is a format that a lot of people uh, enjoy and tend to get their information from. And so we want to be where you are and giving you as good information as we can to help you be a better advocate to protect your right to recreate and access public lands. And so we're putting this together. Our hope is to release regularly scheduled episodes and give you a, a regular update on our work uh, that we're doing. Simone and I am here with Simone Griffin, who is our policy director. I'm Ben Burr, the executive director of Blue Ribbon Coalition. And uh, for today's episode, we just want to dive right in with what is our most important issue going on this week and update you on that. We have a public comment period that's due this week that we need everybody engaged on. So Simone, why don't you yeah, so why don't you tell us what you've been working on? Due this comment period is due the twenty third. So we only have a few more days to get those public comments in. But it is regarding dispersed camping in the Moab area. So obviously a very highly sought after area to disperse camp. Um, to recreate in it's there's three different plans actually but through our action alert you're able to submit a comment to all three so we make it really easy on you and it's the labyrinth rims gemini bridges area two rivers and the utah rims areas so those three areas they are looking to create designated campsites um and well so let's talk about that first. And so, because a lot of people, if you've camped on public land, there's usually a whole range of camping experiences. And if you've camped in a national park, the chances are you're probably in a designated campground, you're probably getting a reservation. There are tons of campsites that are available for reservation on recreation.gov. And there are some of those that are in Moab, actually. There are designated campgrounds in some of these areas where you can reserve a site and camp. Uh, but when we say they're moving to designated sites, I don't want people to get confused and think, well, that's already what already exists there because there is some of that there. But when you go out into the backcountry into these three areas you just listed, uh, what are the current rules before these camping plans go into um, effect? So right now you can go out and you can find a, a you can just look for a pretty area to to camp. And that's what a lot of people like to do. Um, they're able to find. No, Can you, you go have to stay 31 30 feet, feet off on the, the road. road. Oh, so I, there are restrictions. It's not feet. like it's okay. a complete free for all. Um, you've got to stay 30 feet within the road. I mean, obviously responsible use. And right now they are proposing to have uh, fire pans that will be requ required. Um, but with the designated campsites, they will have camping rings already or fire rings. Um, so that's what they're kind of looking at. If you want to explain that, Ben. Yeah. So that's probably a good regulation. I mean, we know that there was the big pack Creek fire last year. It is, it is common or it happens enough that during these dry fire seasons that if you're out lighting a fire in these areas while camping, you could start a wildfire. And so we need to take all the precautions we can. And so for the BLM to require uh, 
um, a contained fire of some kind, whether that's in a fire pan. And or I a think fire most ring, people already plan on that when they go camping. Reasonable, and most people, yeah, most people want that. I think that the other side of the fires is they're also mm-hmm. requiring that you bring in your own firewood. They don't want you collecting wood. You get out into these deserts in Moab, and there isn't. Uh, an abundance of trees and so if everybody that goes camping out there decides to start hacking limbs off of the trees pretty soon it'll be like the Lorax there won't be any more trees left and so you should probably uh, like so bringing in your own firewood is is the kind of reasonable regulation we would support to create a sustainable form of dispersed camping experiences but this before and so but then to move to this designated site so what they've done is they've taken this situation where you can camp anywhere that's basically 30 feet off a road and and i've been out on these roads there's a lot of places where you don't really want to camp off the side of the road that's either really exposed to the elements you're exposed to the traffic on the road Uh, there's also a lot of roads that are side spurs that depart off the road for maybe a quarter of a mile and then they end up in a little alcove or something where it would be where it's a really great dispersed campsite and i've been in this situation where i've decided that i want to go out camping you head out after work or something and you go into the back country with the hopes that you'll find a spot and in these moab areas currently you have a hundred percent guarantee to be able to find a spot because you can create a spot anywhere that you can camp off the side of the road. Uh, if you move to designated sites, there is a good chance that if all the spots are taken, you could go spend hours driving around instead of actually camping and enjoying the outdoors. You'll spend your time trying to find a spot before it gets dark and so you still have time to set up a camp and cook dinner or whatever it is you want to do out on that experience. And so I don't love the idea of moving to a designated site only camping plan. I don't mind if the BLM wants to designate some sites so that there is kind of that certainty. And we've always said in our comments, if you want to have a reservation system or a designated system on top of the open dispersed system, well, that it helps just provides opportunities for all different for types people. of camping experiences, depending on your level of experience, what type of camping you prefer. And there should, I mean, there's enough land out there that it should be able to accommodate all those different types of camping experiences. Yeah. And so that's why in our comments, we're going to oppose the move towards a designated only system. And we will be requesting the BLM analyze leaving some of these areas open to that that still open dispersed camping model where people can camp within a designated distance off the road. We think that that provides a unique experience. It provides a sense of certainty that if you're going to commit to go into these backcountry areas, which sometimes aren't easy to get to, that you're not going to be stranded out there overnight, that you will be able to find a spot and have an enjoyable experience instead of a stressful one. And that also leads me to what I think is kind of some cognitive dissonance with this plan is a lot of groups like ours, we have partner organizations like Tread Lightly, you have organizations like Leave No Trace that spend a lot of time and effort educating all forms of recreation users how to recreate responsibly on public land. And uh, there is a culture around this. And if you go to like an overlanding expo or some of these areas where they're really getting into how can we go have a deep backcountry experience and do it in a way that's sustainable and doesn't leave a trace. 
and they'll bring their own pit toilets. They'll bring the fire rinks. They'll be a self-contained unit, and they'll go camp. They won't leave a trace. They won't leave a fire ring. They won't leave evidence of a site that's getting hardened through abundant use. And now we're punishing that user group for being responsible because like, if you look at how the BLM's designating their sites here, they're designating sites that the disturbance is evident. And so if there's already an existing fire ring there, then it has a high probability of being included in their plan as a designated site. And so if I'm responsible and I don't create a new fire ring and I camp in a way that doesn't leave a trace, now my camping experience is because being eliminated you truly left because no I was trace. being responsible. And that's what I, yeah, because you didn't leave an impact in a trace. There's so no evidence there that that was a site right that yet. was worth and keeping. No trace. And so now they're closing it. And that's what I think is the biggest flaw in this camping plan is that it's punishing the best users and creating a artificial limitation of access into this area. And we think the BLM needs to consider that a lot more deeply than they are. They need to take a harder look at what that impact is going to be on those recreation users that are the most responsible users of all. And so we'll be including that in our comments. Uh, we would invite you to make that same point to the BLM. They should not be punishing the most responsible users. Those of us who are not leaving a trace shouldn't be the ones having our recreation experiences eliminated and taken away and being forced to go into some sort of designated only experience, which, which I think also will pay. I think it will be a few short years before that turns into a paid reservation based system. Um, they're setting the stage for that. They'll claim they're not It'll doing that now, that. Uh, but it, I think it goes down that path. It's certainly a step down that path instead of trying to maintain the, the current well, user experience environment as it is now. Well, it just makes me wonder if they're trying to discourage now. people from visiting the Moab area because if they are only, if they're moving to a designated campsite model and management, then you're going to have a finite amount of campsites that people can look for. And Moab's already very busy. It's already hard to find places. Even before these uh, these proposals were put into, or were proposed, it's already hard enough for people to find campsites, um, even with with the dispersed camping model, because typically you don't want to be right next to somebody who's already has their campsite set up. And so you want to be a ways, you want to be by yourself. And so then if you're at a finite amount of campsites, it's going to be really hard for people to camp there. So it just makes me feel like the BLM is trying to discourage people from yeah. visiting Moab. A hundred percent. And if you look, if you've tried to get a hotel room in Moab during some of the busier weekends, you're looking at, I've seen hotel rooms be three, four, five hundred $500 a night. And so this is a way that it will Only turn Moab into just a outdoor recreation experience for the wealthiest among us and not something that the general American public can go enjoy their public lands. And so there are, I think, economic big economic questions about this plan. And I, I think they're focused really hard on trying to solve what are probably some over-exaggerated environmental impacts. And so we do need the outdoor recreation users, those who actually enjoy and often or have it on their bucket list to go camp in Moab. You need to add your voice to this. Uh, we look at a lot of these plans and there are a lot of groups that get engaged on these plans and the 
and the community that I call the dispersed camping community, which includes RVs, motorhomes, van life, overlanding, just camping from a car, backpacking, like anybody who wants to go spend the night somewhere random out in the middle of nowhere on your public land, you're part of the dispersed camping community. And this group does not always show up and make their voice heard in these plans. And we've seen a loss of access of this form of camping experience in a lot of different places. Uh, for the last two years, we've been building up a movement to push back on this and to add this voice to the conversation. We'll be submitting a comment on behalf of our members. And we hope that everybody listening to this becomes a member of BRC so we can be representing more and more people in these fights. Um, but Simone, mm -hmm. if somebody wants to comment, they have till the 23rd. So we make it really easy process? if you go to our website, which is sharetrails.org, uh, you'll be able to find a blog post about Moab. I mean, you can just search for it even, Moab Dispersed Camping, and it'll come right up. Um, and at the bottom of that, we have a tool that makes it really easy. You put in some basic information and it generates a pre-written letter for you. You can send it in as is. However, we always encourage people to make it their own, put your own voice and experience into it. Um, and it'll send it off to these three planning. You have through the 23rd. Um, so you've got until midnight that night to get these in. Yeah. And we'll put a link. Uh, we can put a link in the comments to this post, wherever you're, wherever you're listening to this, we can have a link to this Moab action alert. Uh, and the best, and so as Simone said, you can search on our site, on our homepage, there's a, a, a section that is our most recent updates. I believe you'll find this there because it is a current update and that's, you just scroll down on our homepage. You'll see it at sharetrails.org. And so we need everybody to comment on this. We know there's a few other groups out there pushing this. We, uh, that'd be Colorado Trails Preservation Alliance has done a good job of promoting this. I've seen that recently. And we need everybody out there aware of what's going on. Uh, there's a few other things in this plan that we think- Yeah, so the three main proposals are or some kind you'll of be able toilet. to gather wood, you'll need to bring a fire pan, and you'll need to bring in a portable toilet. Okay. And those are all like, we always will, as long as the BLM's trying to find solutions to the problems and what I would consider to be a management solution to a problem, as opposed to a closure, we tend to support those. And we encourage the recreation community to review what those policies are. We think it's reasonable to require people to have some form of a toilet or a way to eliminate the human yeah, waste so problem that ask, comes camping in the back country. It's reasonable. Uh, the firewood. Is we reasonable. ask that like we why not some implement of these management practices first and see see how things go before they start implementing designated campsites. Um, I think it's reasonable to just do some of these management right. proposals first. And then if they're still finding these huge issues, which I don't think they currently are, so I don't think they will, then they can look at some more solutions. Yeah, that reminds me. They said they mentioned user conflict yeah. was one of the problems they're trying to eliminate. They, there's from nothing this, documented. There's what, no what did they tell documented you about user, conflict? user conflict. And so when we ask, well, how are you defining user conflict? They don't really have an answer. The sheriff's department doesn't have any documented um, incidents um, in these areas from user conflict. And so it seems to be that that's just a, an excuse. 
that groups are using to implement some of these closures and restrictions? Yeah. So usually when I hear user conflict, what I'm imagining is there's one group that's complaining about vocal, another group. So we just need to be vocal. And yeah. And so that there's no documented incidents. There isn't a, a citation. There is no law enforcement record that there's been any user conflict in this area. So it's probably a minimal problem to be trying to solve by eliminating a massive amount of camping in this area. And the probably the best way to eliminate user conflict if it's if it, if all it is is just one user group complaining about another <laughs> user group is to ban They're the, the user ones group that's having the conflict of the problem <laughs> problem solved <laughs> and uh rather than uh, unless the subject of the complaint is actually causing real damage mm -hmm. which in most cases isn't the case this is just people enforcing their preferences on the system which isn't i just doesn't make a lot of sense to me in a, in a system of public users. land that should be available yeah. and accommodating to all users. So, well, let's shift gears. I think that that covers the Moab action alert. We want everybody commenting on that plan. It's a lot of things going on in Moab nowadays. Um, and so let's shift gears. Uh, we want to, I want to talk about, there's this fire in Arizona, Simone, why don't you tell the group a little bit about what you are currently doing to help prevent and mitigate and use the voice of BRC to create a better management environment yeah, so on our public lands Throughout the country, especially in the West, uh, the BLM, the Forest Service, we see a lot of vegetation treatments proposed. And lots of times I think recreation users are thinking, why are we getting involved with that? What's, what's the point? But what lots of people don't realize is through these pr project proposals is there's road closures. Um, sometimes they're pretty minimal, sometimes they're larger, but then we see after fires. So if a vegetation treatment isn't approved and we see a forest go up in flames, then not only is recreation closed off during the fire, but lots of times after the fire as well, they, they close off those roads. So recreation and access are being closed off slowly but surely just through vegetation treatments and lack of vegetation treatments that we're seeing. Um, and so there was this fire in Arizona. Um, I'll let Ben talk about the letter to the editor. <laughs> yeah, so there's a letter to the editor of the Arizona Daily Sun. It's for the pipeline and fire. And this was, I don't know that it lists the author, but it's the pipeline fire. And there really are some horrible catastrophic fires burning in Arizona right now up around Flagstaff. And I think there's some down by Tucson now and, and they're complicated and what's causing these fires. There's a lot that goes into it, but this is what somebody wrote to the paper. They say, so come on forest service, do what needs to be done. Do everything possible to protect our lives, property, our community, and our public lands. We cannot protect against lightning, but we can do our best to protect against careless people. Close the forest. This letter was written and submitted the second day of the pipeline fire, so hopefully closure will happen before this letter is published. And so they wrote close the forest in all caps, like they're yelling this at the Forest Service. And so these fires really do lead to some of the most extensive closures we see in public land management. We Here we have the public 
screaming at the Forest Service to close the forest. They're mad, and justifiably so. Uh, but if I recall correctly, this fire, when I, I've followed the story of this one, but I can't remember if it was this one or the other one, because there were two big ones in Arizona right by each other. One of them was started by someone who was camping, and they had some used toilet paper that they had to get rid of, and they decided to burn their toilet paper. And that's what started the forest fire. And it, it, it's certainly easy to condemn this person and say, what an idiot. Why would you burn anything in the middle of a dry season when there's already another big fire burning? And, and sure, that, in hindsight, I bet that same, I bet the person who started the fire agrees with that sentiment. Uh, but I bet at the time they were thinking they were being responsible. They were like, well, I'm going to get rid of this toilet paper. So I'm not leaving the toilet paper in a bush or burying it in the ground and having an animal dig it up or whatever. Like they've been so conditioned that if you, that leaving toilet paper on the ground is this unforgivable sin on public land use. And so they were trying to be responsible and get rid of it. And obviously in hindsight, they shouldn't have burned it, but they're, they were starting from the point of trying to be a responsible user is what it sounds like to me. And I think also in hindsight, we should maybe ask the question, well, what, maybe the forest service should be building more bathrooms. If people are wanting to camp in these areas and there isn't a sanitary way to get rid of the toilet paper waste, uh, maybe more bathrooms is the answer. Maybe there needs to be more management. The requirement, like what we're seeing in Moab to require people to have a toilet or some sort of way of packing out their own waste is probably appropriate. And so these are real problems. We need to solve them, but this person I think was trying to practice a leave no trace principle and then ended up leaving a really big trace, unfortunately, and we're going to have to learn from it. And so that's another thing to add, I think, to your Moab comments is that's why we support the requirement to bring a toilet or something into the forest because they also had a camp, a big fire out there caused by campers. I mean, you, if you're out camping, you, you better think 10 times before starting anything on fire because it will ruin your life if it gets out of control. And if you're the forest service, you really should be finding ways to accommodate this surge of users that want to go recreate and, and be on public land in a way that's safe and sanitary and doesn't burn the forest down. And if that means building more trash cans and bathrooms and roads and other things that make it so that these forests are more accessible to the public, maybe we need to think but people about are gonna exploring say those that, options as well. well. The Forest Service doesn't have the budget to put in these resources such as bathrooms and trash cans and why? Well, it's because they're, yeah, they're spending their whole budget on fighting fires and paying out uh, legal settlements to environmental groups that are suing them every time they want to do an active management project. And so it's not that they don't have the budget, it's that their priorities of their budget um, are sometimes in the wrong place. I mean, I don't think you can say don't use your budget to fight wildfires, but it becomes a losing game if you're not also going to use your budget to prevent wildfires and encourage responsible use and recreation. Um, sometimes this is one of those cases where an ounce of prevention probably saves us millions and billions of dollars. And it's just unfortunate that sometimes those projects are opposed through lawsuits and litigation and make it so that what should be something as easy as building a bathroom or building a road 
becomes a 10-year legal fight that's just as expensive as Anyways, fighting the fire. Yeah. And then you have to fight the fire. Well, the another problem well. So with this letter to the editor when they say close the forests, uh, that's problematic because when the forest has very restrictive management, then these vegetation projects can't move forward. And, I mean, it's just this cycle of poor management that the Forest Service wants to do. In most cases, they're proposing these projects, but they're not able to because of legal battles or because of different management um, restrictions. Yeah. And we're not just making this up. I mean, I had shared an article with you just last night about a, a recently filed legal challenge in the Kootenai National Forest up in the mm-hmm. panhandle of Idaho and Montana, like up in that area. And and why don't you tell the listeners, Simone, what, what's Grizzly at stake bears. in this legal challenge up in that forest? <laughs> Grizzly bears. And it was a logging project, It was a which means reducing fuel loads on the forest, using our natural resources, which is the Forest Service's mandate. And... There's an, a legal challenge that was filed. We, we learned about it from Earth Justice, and they're one of the leading groups that files these lawsuits. And what are the number they one threat too? Not even just one of the biggest. The number Grizzly one bears. threat is roads. Like yeah, bigger it's better than, that they have the no place to live. Is what? But they are suggesting that roads are the biggest threat to grizzly bears, not losing their habitat. Not losing where they live and, so the, and how they gather food, but roads are the number one threat to grizzly bears. And so this isn't about Not grizzly bears, people. Like this is like if they're claiming that the roads are the number one threat to the grizzly bears, and a close second is the destruction of their habitat. These are people who are driven by an agenda first, and reason and scientific evidence i wouldn't even say second we're going to review this this case and see if it's one we should be getting involved in but it also shows that a lot of times recreation users say oh that's a logging project i'm not a logging they company don't see that how it relates company. that doesn't to, affect to their me. hobbies and, and to what they do recreation wise yes And we've tried to broadcast this. We've done action alerts on vegetation treatments. They're usually the ones that get the lowest amount of engagement from our users, which I think is unfortunate. Um, Because in this case, you see that the groups that want to decommission and close Mm -hmm. our roads, they'll use anything to do it. And they'll shoehorn in an argument that roads are the biggest threat to a grizzly bear just so they can close the roads, which at the end of the day isn't even about the roads. Is that you can't declare an area as a wilderness if there's roads in it. And so they've got to close the roads first. And so they'll find any way to do it. And in this case, it's the Endangered Species Act and grizzly bears. And I do want to add, I've, I've run into not actual grizzly bears, but I've run into black bears out in the backcountry and even not the backcountry in Alaska. I, the one time I saw a bear, it was crossing a road. Uh, so the road didn't seem to affect the black bear's ability to move around in its habitat. It, its habitat wasn't fragmented by this road. The road was just part of it. Um, I've gone up ATV trails in the backcountry, and there are bear tracks going up the road right along my ATV tracks. They use roads as migration corridors and ways to get around their environment just like we do. A lot of times our roads and routes are built on what were wildlife migration corridors to begin with, and they all get used by everything that's out there. 
And so I want to see the science because it doesn't match my experience. And maybe there's some study out there that shows that roads impact anything. These grizzly bears, I, I'd love to see it. I'll read it. And if maybe they're right, maybe I'll, I'll learn something. But to me, it feels like, uh, feels like legal opportunism to try and make this case. And again, and one thing we can't emphasize enough is they're blocking this project to close your roads, allegedly to save the grizzly bear. But we're finding time and time again that these lawsuits result in increased fuel loads on the forest. It's inevitable that so one day this Kootenai forest will just burn down. To fight these lawsuits, but then they're having to pay to fight the fires that are a result of the lack of the projects. Right, and and wildfire isn't even listed according to Earth Justice as a threat to the grizzly bear. It's roads first, then the destruction of their habitat, and then at some point maybe a wildfire. Maybe is a it's bad good thing for them. Maybe, bear, but I don't know. They seem to not think that. It's comical. And so maybe Smokey Bear is a terrible mascot, <laughs> and the whole idea that we have this bear that survived the wildfire and has become the whole iconic face of the the wildfire fighting program of the forest service. Maybe they need to rethink it. And maybe we just need to close every road in the forest because only you can prevent forest fires by not being a road. Like it just is idiotic. So anyway, so we'll look at that one. Uh, We'll continue to advocate for responsible management of the forest so that you have a nice I need people to participate to and send in. comments in on these projects just so people understand. We'll see travel management plans and, and forest, these larger management plans that um, come around, oh, once a month. Once I mean, they're a lot more rare, but we have vegetation treatments. Those proposals come through weekly. And so the 30 by 30 push that you hear, that's this media agenda to protect... of the nation's land and waters by 2030, you know, they're not doing it through, I mean, they are a little bit, but they're not doing it through these huge projects. Like we think they are, it's going to happen slowly and surely through these vegetation projects. So they are actually, I, I would tell people that they are very important to comment on and to engage on whether hope. And hopefully this explains why now, hopefully people can, can see that. Yeah. And so we have action alert items almost all the time for people to go comment. We want your voice to be part of our voice. I mean, we represent you in these matters is how we see it, especially if you're our members, which is why we want everybody to become a member of BRC. Uh, but we also want you to add your voice to this too. The The Forest Service needs to hear from the public. There's a, there's a public relations and a there's a pressure component to that. If they hear a lot from people, it, it emboldens them to do the right thing if they know they've got the public support. And in the case of Moab, where they're wanting to restrict these camping areas to designated sites only, if they hear from a lot of us, they'll feel this pressure that they need to think a little more carefully about this one and not just pass what I think is their first draft of a plan. And they'll do that if they hear from us. And so we need you to comment. So Simone, we always have comments open. Um, If you go to sharetrails.org, you go to our top menu, there's a category called updates. And in that category, there's one called our action center. If you bookmark that page, that's where we always have our most current projects available for comment. But if you were to tell people to comment on 
maybe one, two, or three projects we have open right now. What what would you say are our top so priorities So definitely right now the Moab Dispersed Camping. Send in a comment for that because that's actually three plans. Um, so you can kill three birds with one stone. Um, sending in a comment with that one. And then we also have um, one in California that's a recreation plan. Uh, it's the Arcata and Redding field offices, and they're looking to expand recreation opportunities if they hear from enough of us. They're they're still in the beginning stages, and so this is where we can really show that there's user groups out there that want to see more access. They want to see more opportunities for recreation. So that's a really good one, too, for people to get involved in and, and send a comment in, especially if you know... If you're familiar with that area, we would really love to hear you, hear your thoughts on it. Um, tell them some specific trails, specific areas that you'd like to see more recreation access in. That would be really helpful. Okay. Well, those are two good ones that we have out there right now. And we know, I know we have some good ones in the works. We're waiting for a few things to fall in place first, but we'll have an announcement coming soon where you can... Uh, send some messages to your members of Congress, a, a good bill that's coming out that we want to tell you about once it's released, but we'll let the sponsor of the bill release it first. Um, and, and then there's always constantly, uh, this is what I want to end on, is we do have several proposals on this action alert system where you can send a member of Congress a message in opposition to what are probably five or six wilderness bills. We've done one on each wilderness bill. This is part of our fight for every inch initiative, which is to push back against this 30 by 30 program, which the idea is to lock up 30% of our land from what I would say would be responsible use. And one of the ways they're doing that is through wilderness bills. And a lot of these are getting, they're controversial. They're getting tied up in Congress members of Congress, you have the one, the sponsors trying to push them. You have groups trying to, or members of Congress trying to kill them. It's, these are the types of bills where if you make your voice heard, you probably can influence your member of Congress and they will, if any of them pass, it'll change the game. Like in Colorado, you have the core act, you have the, there's a, I forget the other one, but it's about a, it's, probably a million acres of wilderness, at least there. I, I get them confused because well, it's just millions and millions of acres of wilderness. All. We have the northern larger bills. Rockies. And so, yeah, there's throughout Western United States. I mean, there's wilderness being proposed in almost all of the states in the West. Yeah. And so, and, and we always have to distinguish. We actually kind of like wilderness, which most people consider to be the great outdoors. That's why I go out there. I like being out in the middle of nature and enjoy what's out there and get away from the grind of living in modern human life. But designated wilderness through legislation often means that you can't go there. They're closing all the roads. They're restricting all forms of motorized access. And if you don't have the ability to backpack into an area for seven to 10 days to really experience it, then you're just out of luck. And so we don't we always are opposing the idea of congressionally restricts designated wilderness because it, there's already enough of it created and it restricts all use. Uh, you can't fight fires in these areas for, with anything other than non-mechanical means. And it just is, it's contributing to a huge problem in how our lands get managed and concentrating users into areas that are 
that are not closed, which now they're closing those areas like what we're seeing in Moab. And it just creates a cascading problem. So we need to rethink the whole system. And we certainly don't need any more of it. So contact your member of Congress. Those ones are evergreen. There isn't a deadline on those. I'm sure your member of Congress would love to hear from you. Uh, and those are good ways that you can do that is on our action center. So anyway, so that wraps up our, our first episode here. We'll be back next week. We have a lot more things coming in the pipeline. We want to update you and we'll try to release a short episode like this every week to keep you updated on our work and give you a kind of a deeper dive into what we're doing other than the kind of brief blog posts we put out on our website and hopefully you'll subscribe. Hopefully you'll share this with your friends and family and folks that care about these issues. We definitely need everybody who cares about this stuff to be informed and engaged. If you have any issues you need help with, you can, we have a form for you to do that on our DRC website or on sharetrails.org. And we'd love to hear from you. So we'll catch you next time.